Hey, we're in this uh, ver- ver- version. We're in this campaign uh, series called The Me I Want to Be. And I, uh, man, I really hope you guys are engaging with your book. I hope that you're plugged into a life group, uh, discussing it, having that, those discussions uh, on, on this whole concept of being the version that God has created you to, to be and to live out of. And hopefully uh, there's been things that the Holy Spirit has brought to you, revealed to you that says, wow, you know, um, I, I, I see where I'm living out of, of, of a different version than what God intends for me and that I could maybe be freer or just a different person uh, living out uh, in another version. And so I, I really hope that you guys have been engaging with that and have some good discussion. Today we want to continue on with that. You're going to be reading here in a few, uh, either this week or next week, uh, relationships, deep relationships. And today I want to share with you some things about relationships, 10 things, and we're going to kind of scoot through the, through these. They are things that um, are that need to be characteristic in your relationships in order for you to become the best version that God has for you, okay? These are things that need to be happening within your life, within your relationships, so that you can become the best version that God has for you. In the, in the, um, in the Word of God, koinonia is used, the, t- the word koinonia is used, and it means being committed to each other as we are to Jesus Christ. Now, we may not be related by blood, and I know in Blissfield, everybody's related by blood, so this is probably a bad illustration, right? But I'm not related to you guys uh, by blood, uh, but thank goodness, right? Uh, Anyhow, uh, thank you, Jeff, that threw me off now. Where uh, where am I? Blood. Okay. Um, Wow. But we all are related. Uh, We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. So here's the question. How do we function as a family, uh, the family of God? How do we function in a healthy way? We, some of us know how to do that in a pretty dysfunctional way because that's what we've been modeled throughout our lives or we've been around that. But how do we, how do we function in a healthy way uh, as far as being a part of the family of God, that koinonia, being committed to one another as we are committed to Jesus Christ? Paul says in Romans 12, verse 5, In Christ we who are many, who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me, I belong to you. And guys, when we're not functioning correctly, it's off. The whole thing is off. So how do we function correctly? How do we belong to each other? How do we, how do we become, how do we experience genuine relationships, those deep relationships, those meaningful relationships, that deep connection with one another? What does that look like? Paul writes to Timothy and says this to him. He says, I'm, in one translation, he says, I am writing these things to you so you well, know how to live in the family of God. What are those things? What does it look like? I want to I share with you some of those things today. But I want to say this one more time and reiterate it. These are things that need to be in place for you to have deep connecting relationships so that you can become the best version that God has created for you to be. Does that make sense? If we're off on some of these things, you're not going to be the person that God has created you to be. You're going to miss out. Some of these things are very challenging as a lot of biblical concepts and principles. But that's why we're part of the family. That's why we're connected to one another through Jesus Christ to help each other in that process. The first one is this, getting together. Uh, you know, in fellowship, we meet together often. It's not every once in a while. It's quite frequent. The Bible tells us uh, in Hebrews, uh, in the very familiar passage, let us not give up on the habit, as one translation says, of meeting together. Let us not give up on the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. That word habit, in this particular translation, let us not give up on the habit. What does a habit mean? A habit is something that happens pretty frequently, right? 
Have you ever tried to break a habit? It's something that's ingrained in you. It's a habit that you have. And it's really hard to eradicate out because it's something that happens very frequently within your life. It doesn't just happen occasionally, but it happens very frequently. And so um, he's saying in this translation, uh, the way it's translated, it says, let us not give up on that habit of meeting together. Let's get together. Let's spend time together. Let's, in, you know, let's uh, join together through life groups and other things. That's why we're doing this thing called the, the Classy Christmas Potluck Pageant. See how easy that is? And that is, you know, some of you may say, how many of you here, I didn't see the hands, how many of you were here last Sunday night for Church Life Update? You know, we, we have time set in there like at 5.01. Some of you are saying, why is it 5.01? It's because of our creative geniusness, okay? And second of all, you guys are always late anyhow, so it doesn't matter, all right? I just want to say that to you, all right? I get my shots in. Anyhow, getting together. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's coming together. Now, the, it's not just getting together for the sake of getting together, but it's getting together to spend time with one another as a family. And so, uh, in, in Acts, it talks about they worship together regularly at the temple each day, and in small groups, in homes for communion, and shared their meals with great joy. They did life together. That's, that's what we want to see happen here at Element with life groups, that you're doing life together. And if you're missing out on a life group, you are missing out of a critical piece that's going to help you to become the person, the best version God has for you. Doing life together, spending time with one another in groups. Uh, the Bible also says, enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord. And, and as, you looked at, if, as you look through the New Testament, you see Jesus meeting with people and spending time with people. Rarely did he did it in, do it in the synagogue. It was always in homes or out with the people. I think because it's that relaxed, intimidating environment, the barriers are down. You're on other people's turf. It's more, you're, there's more responsiveness to communication. And so here's the personal question you need to ask yourself is this. Number one, if you're not in a life group, I want you to ask, literally ask yourself the question, why am I not in a life group? What is keeping me from being in a life group that's going to enable me to have some deeper relationships with individuals? And if you are in a life group, let me ask you this question. What is keeping you from meeting more consistently? Because, you know, when you look at this, uh, there's two reasons why uh, when you go to a life group, it's based on convenience or it's based on conviction. And that's not guilt, but the difference is between convenience and conviction. Convenience says this, if I can work it in my schedule, I will go to my life group. If I can work it in my schedule, if I can work around all these other things taking place within my life, I will, I will uh, be a part of a life group. Commitment or conviction says this, I go to it because I, have the t- because I make the time for it. There's a value there. It says, I need to be a part of this life group. I understand that I need to get together. I understand that it is a biblical concept and principle that if I'm going to grow spiritually and grow into that, the best version that God has for me, that God wants for me, that God desires for me to be, I'm going to be plugged into a life group that's going to be with other individuals doing the same thing. And as we're in there, we're going to be authentically sharing sharing our true feelings. Guys, there is one reason why you don't share your true feelings, or one of the reasons why you don't do this, authentically share, and that is this. A word that's spelled F-E-A-R, fear. Because deep down, there's, you have this fear of exposure, you have this fear of rejection, that if you share, if you let someone peer behind the curtain of your life, uh, you know, and, and you're afraid that you might be hurt again. That is one of the reasons why, if not the biggest reason of why, we don't authentically share with one another. Listen to what the Word of God says. Love, 1 John, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. 
If we live in the light as God is in the light, we share fellowship with each other. But if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. Guys, if you believe that um, you're okay, you're only fooling yourself. We all know it. You're messed up, right? We're all messed up. We're all humans. We're all, we're all dysfunctional. We're, we're all broken individuals. The issue is, are we going to be able to authentically share with other people what's taking place within our lives so that we can become the best, pers- the best version that God has for us? Last week we talked about James 5.15 that says this, admit your faults to one another and pray to, for each other so that you may be healed. And we said, you know what? There is, we are supposed to confess and commit our things to God. That, yes, that is, that's, that's what we need to do, right? But in addition to that, there, James is telling us to do it with one another, which means there's going to be someone within our lives where we authentically share to say, you know what, I messed up, I blew it, or I'm struggling, or whatever it may be, because it's going to enable us to be prayed for and to receive some healing. It's so, and it's so easy to shove this one off. Even in our life groups, guys, even in our life groups, it's so easily to shove off this authentically sharing because sometimes we will take the Bible or we'll take whatever study that we're doing and we'll say, well, we've got to go through these questions. Well, we've got to get through this. I want to know more about this. And, and it's like, what can happen? This can become a distraction of really authentically sharing. Okay? Does that make sense? And we need to be very careful that we're authentically sharing because that is what enables us to have these deep-rooted relationships with other individuals on this spiritual journey. So the question for this would be, you know, what encourages me to be open and holds me back in my group? Ask yourself that question. What encourages me? What encourages me uh, to be open within my group or to hold back within my group? And that can be a great discussion question for a life group to just sit and ask that question. Hey, guys, what is it that keeps us from really truly sharing? Authentically sharing. What keeps you from doing that? The next thing we do uh, to deepen these relationships that helps us to become the best version is this. We encourage each other to grow. Uh, Paul writes in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. The author of Hebrews says this, keep each other on your toes so, to sin, so sin doesn't slow down your reflexes. How many of you need somebody to keep you on your toes spiritually? How many of you have discovered that you're more consistent in your spiritual habits when there's someone that says, hey, how you doing? How you doing in your walk? How are you doing in your Bible reading? How are you doing spending time in prayer? Ecclesiastes says this. We, again, we talked about this last week as well. If you're going at it alone, if one person falls, the other can reach, or if you've got someone with you, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are all, who are all alone, when they fall, they're in real trouble. You see, that's what it means to encourage each other to grow. Where we're walking together. And, and, and talk about relationships really deepening when, we, when we're able to walk with each other and to help each other. And guys, I want to say this, with all of these, with every single one of these, if you choose not to do these things, your, your spiritual life is going to hit a lid. It's going to hit a lid. Because these are the biblical principles that God said that's going to help us to grow in our walk with Him. It's, that is what the Word of God says. And when we violate those principles, there's no way that, that you're going to have an outcome different 
than what God has already said. And so if you choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to authentically share. I'm not going to get plugged into a life group. I'm not going to journey with someone that's going to, you know, you know, and to go through these processes. Your spiritual life is going to come to a, to a, and become stagnant. And some of you are sitting here this morning, and that's exactly where your spiritual life is at. It's stagnant because you're not deepening your relationships to this point of vulnerability. The, the next one is, is after you know, encouraging one another, the next one would be this, respecting differences. And, and we're going to talk about this one a little, bit, a little bit later at the end, but respecting our differences means that we can, we can have differing opinions in our life groups, in our relationships. Guys, we can have differing opinions, okay? Everybody doesn't have to agree. And we can agree to a disagree, right? That doesn't mean it's wrong. You don't do it in a way that's going to tear someone down. It's, in fact, the word says this, believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to everyone. And you know how it is. You may be in a life group where every single life group has one, and every church has a few, the, the, what we would call those people or that person, right? In your life group, you know that there's that person when you share something that may be in disagreement with them, you're going to engage in a debate and this kind of stuff. If you can't think of that person right now, you might be that person, okay? (laughs) So if you look around, people are thinking of you as that person, right? They're looking at you now, seriously. I see people looking at you. Who is it? Who thinks I am? Um, Everyone is valuable. Everyone is valuable. Peter says this, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Again in Proverbs, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And it's been said that if you can nail the first two, that third one's going to come right into place. If if you can be quick to listen and slow to speak, it's chances are it's going to be much, much easier to, become, uh, to be slow at becoming angry. The next one uh, that, that we uh, characteristic that needs to be there to deepen our relationships and, and, and be functioning in the family of God is to provide sympathy or be sympathetic towards one another. Support each other when, you're, when they're in need. We support each other when we're in pain. We, we support each other in our feelings. And the Bible says, Paul writes in Colossians, it says this, as holy people whom God has chosen and love, be sympathetic. It says be sympathetic, kind, humble, and patient. What does it mean to be sympathetic? Sympathy means that you understand and you affirm people's feelings. Okay? And I, and I just want to share and talk to you just very few just a few minutes about feelings to understand and affirm people's feelings. Now, if you're married, you know exactly where I'm coming from with this, right? But you, you affirm someone's feelings. Guys, feelings can be wrong. We all get that, right? We all get that feelings can be wrong from time to time, okay? And not implicitly 100% trusted, right? Can we agree with that? Or do we need to go back to the other one to say we got it, we're going to agree, disagree? No, but feelings, feelings may not always be right. But there is something about it when we listen to someone and we say, you know what, I understand how you might feel that way. There's, there's something about affirming somebody's feelings and genuinely listening and empathizing with that person. You can't just discredit everybody's feelings because 
They're there. They're, they are their feelings. Wow. Did that come out right? They're their feelings. And so we've got to have sympathy towards one another. Listen to what the Word of God says through, through these verses. If one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. It goes on to say this. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love your neighbor as yourself. Paul writes in Romans 15.1, he says, We who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak to carry their burdens. You're coming along the side of people and you're providing sympathy and, and, share, and empathizing with them. Another characteristic is to be humble. What does it mean to be humble? It means to accept uh, people's weaknesses. And this is one, outside of pride, this is one that can destroy a relationship more quickly than anything else. Peter writes this in, uh, uh, in, in chapter 5 of his first letter. He says, he says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Paul writes in Romans, live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. What does humility mean? What is it? It means that you're honest with your weaknesses, right? It means that you don't know it all. It means that you have weaknesses just like I have weaknesses. It means that you're going to mess up just like I messed up. We are, and to be humble and to live in humility means that we acknowledge that. It also means that we can look at another person and say, I need your help, right? It means, and we all know this, there's not a single person sitting in here that can do everything right, right? There's things that I can do that you can't do. There are things that you can do that I certainly can't do. And for the life, I had this conversation this week, and, and for the life of me, I just, I can't get my arms wrapped around this one. Like in a group dynamic, a group function, it's like people at times feel so threatened if they think that other people don't think that they can perform every single aspect of something. You know what I'm saying? It's as if, it's as if they think that they're going to be viewed weak as if they would say, you know what, Jim, I can't do this. I need you to do this because you are more gifted at this and this comes absolutely natural to you and you can take this and rock and roll with it much quicker and more and even better than I can ever do it. And so I solicit Jim's help because it's an area that I'm weak in and Jim says, I'll take that and I'll do that. And some people are so threatened by empowering someone else to do something that it literally kills everything, right? Why do we do that? We need each other. That's how the body of Christ functions. That's how... Anything functions in a healthy way. You can't do it all, but it's being humble saying, I can't do it. Listen to what God has, listen to what God, how God looks at uh, uh, being humble. James 4, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You do it by accepting the weaknesses. Uh, always be humble, gentle, and patient, accepting each other in love. Philippians 2, uh, and again, uh, Melissa talked about this uh, as she was leading worship. It says, when you do these things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourself. And, and we would go on to read in Philippians chapter 2 where Christ became human, where Christ literally set aside God attributes, some of his God-given, uh, his God-given deity. He literally set those aside so that he could become one, one of us. The next one is this, being honest with one another. You know what? The sad thing is that, that there's a lot of people that have no one in their lives who can, who can really speak truth into their lives. Does that make sense? That, you know, that because the, they're afraid that it's going to hurt or they're afraid that if someone's going to be that frank with them, it's going to, it's going to uh, 
uh, bring pain or something within their life. I remember a few years ago, I've shared this with you before, but a few years ago, um, well, it's been a handful of years ago, I did an in, when I did my internship, I had a guy in my life that was my mentor where I did my internship that God placed him in, in my life. You ever have those moments where you have relationships and you realize that the only way someone would ever get a, get, get a message across to you, it would have to be a certain person to do that. You know what I'm saying? And, and I looked at this guy and I thought, there is no other person, I don't think, that could have shared the honesty and truth that needed to be shared to me and got my attention like this guy. He's a great guy. We still have a great relationship with one another. I respect him immensely. But he was a guy that did not mix words. Nothing was sugar-coated. He looked into my life and said, this is an area we're going to work on. And he literally peeled the wound open and poured salt in it. Okay? That hurt. I mean, it hurt. And guys, it came, there came a point. There came a point where I had to make the decision. Am I going to continue on this journey because this hurts? Am I going to continue or am I going to quit and run away from it? Because I don't want to deal with it. There are people, some of you are sitting here this morning. You value the pain too much than the growth. And consequently, you're up against the lid. And you're not going to grow past it until you let someone come into your life to be direct and to be honest with you about your spiritual walk and remove that lid. Does that make sense? That's going to be painful. But it is so freeing when someone walks with you and, and, and God places that particular person within your life. And, and I'm telling you, just like it was, in my, you know, it was with me, only this person with this type of personality could get this message across through my thick head. And, and, and so those are the people that we need in our lives. And if you're unwilling to do that, you're going to stay right here. You're going to stay stagnant within your spiritual walk, deceived, held in bondage, whatever it is. You're not going to experience the freedom that comes from allowing someone to have a deep relationship with you to speak honesty within your life, to point out the blind spots within your life. And so... I hope, I, I would just encourage you guys to allow that to take place. By the way, it's called reciprocity too, okay? Relationships are reciprocal, meaning that you're not called to be the person to look into someone's life all the time and rip apart somebody's life. It goes both ways. Does that make sense? It's easy to sit on the outside and say, hey, let me share with you why you're not growing. Let me share with you what's going on. That's not healthy. It takes reciprocity. It takes that deep connection, that deep-rooted relationship uh, to allow someone to be very honest within our, with, within our lives. Just a couple more things. Forgiveness and mercy is another one. Um, deep-rooted relationships have, are saturated in forgiveness and mercy because there's going to be times where things are said and, and, and you're going to have to extend forgiveness. And guys, the Word of God teaches us that this relationship here is correlated with this. If we expect to receive forgiveness and grace and mercy that we don't deserve from God, and we're unwilling to extend it to other people in our lives that don't deserve it, it's, it's directly correlated. The Bible teaches that. Listen to what it says. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's one of those statements you wish the Bible didn't say, right? Because there's something about that where, you know, what is the motivation for mercy and grace? It's because God's been merciful and given me grace that I don't deserve. And so we need to have, that needs to be saturated within our relationship. And by the way, if trust is broken, it's going to take time to build back trust, okay? 
Trust is going to take a little bit of time to, to, to build back into the relationship. Forgiveness has got to be given immediately. And I get that it's hard. I'm not standing here saying that it's easy. Because when people offend you, when you get hurt, when you get rejected, whatever it may be, it's hard to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness. But that's what the Word of God's teaching us. And again, this is why if we have people within our lives in that deep-rooted connection and in, in that relationship to help us journey and walk along, it's going to enable us to extend that uh, much, more, uh, much more freely. Two more things. Confidentiality. You want to destroy your life group, go outside of it and blab. Confidentiality will mess up a life group. Confidentiality, lack of confidentiality, I should say, will, will completely disintegrate a life group. It'll disintegrate a church. It just Gossip is the worst, one of the worst things that can happen. It can destroy all kinds of things. And the Word of God seems to indicate that God literally hates gossip. No one who gossips, the Word of God says, can be, treated with a, can be trusted with a secret. But you can put confidence in, some, in someone who's trustworthy. God says gossip is no good. It causes hard feelings and comes between friends. And guys, passing on gossip in the scope of a prayer request is still gossip. Okay? I just need to share with you such and such so that you can pray for them. Right. Okay? I think we all know. And second of all, just to throw this one in there too... Just because you don't share, if you listen, the Word of God seems to indicate that that's just as bad. It says, uh, troublemakers listen to troublemakers and liars listen to liars. And so, confidentiality. This is something that we, uh, and when someone shares stuff with us, we have got to, you've got to keep that conf- confident and, and count it as a privilege that someone, that you're walking that close with someone where someone can share that type of information with you, but you're there to, to, to keep that into confidence and, to, and to, again, to help that, that individual grow, to build that trust. Last one is this. And we t- touched on this a little bit before in um, respecting each other's differences or, um, yeah, differences. And this is unity and purpose. And I just want to touch on this just a, just a couple more times here. But unity and purpose. Unity and purpose is not unity and personality. Does that make sense? Unity in purpose is not unity in personality. I've heard people say this all the time. Well, they were unified in the, in the Word of God. We've got to be unified. got to be unified. And what they're saying is this. You've got to like what music I listen to. You've got to like how I dress, and you've got to dress the same way. You've got to like how I wear my hair, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. By the way, some of you guys can't wear your hair like my hair because you don't have hair, all right? So, but anyhow, we're going to be different. That's the beauty of the family of God. That's the beauty of, of, of being brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we are so uniquely created. As, as we've already shared, you've got things you bring to the table that I can't bring. And vice versa. Paul tells us that when, when, when you know, that we are all one body, we make up, we're different parts, but we make up one body. And when one little aspect is off, we all suffer. Does that make sense? But we're unified in purpose. That doesn't mean we agree on everything. The one thing we do agree on is the, is the, the, the work of the, of the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the one thing we stand on. We believe in that. We believe that Jesus Christ is what's going to heal people. We believe that Jesus Christ is what is going to enable us to reach out and help broken people become whole again. That's what we're unified on. How that takes place, 
That's the beauty of it if you think about it. You're going to come up with a ton of different ideas than I am. And vice versa, we're all going to contribute into this big picture. We don't all have to agree on the same exact everything, except we need to be unified in our purpose. In Acts, chapter, in Acts, it says, they were of one accord, they were unified, they were all together. They were of one heart, of one spirit. And guys, consequently, because of that, the church in Acts had this incredible power from God that just swept through them and energized them. And that's what happens when we're unified on what we need to be unified on, and that's unity in purpose. The Bible also says, let there be real harmony so there won't be divisions in the church. Be of one mind united in thought and purpose. That's a lot of stuff. Those are a lot of things, a lot of characteristics that need to be implemented into our relationships if we're going to have meaningful, significant, deep relationships that's going to help us to become the person that God has created us to be. That's why we're here, guys. We're, you know, and, and, and so we need to be very we need to be very open to the to the spirit. You need to, to to really make sure that your heart is open to the spirit, so the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, His ministry, the Spirit of Truth can come into your life and expose areas that says, "Look, this is these these are things that we need to work on. These are things that we need to that, that I need to to help bring change within your life." And that's where your relationships come in and help facilitate that even more so. So I pray that, um, you know, as we close our time here today, that you would just have your hearts open and, and, and tender and sensitive towards the spirit of truth. Even this week, as you continue to, you know, go about your life, think about the things that were said today. Ask yourself some of those critical questions. You know, ask yourself, see where you fall. Allow the spirit to guide you and, and answer those questions um, you know, as you think about those, as we pose those questions to you, I want to I want to just lead us into a word of prayer. And then we're going to close with a song. And um, I just, again, pray that you'd open your hearts to, to, to God's spirit and just make this song as we re, as we sing this song again. Uh, just make it a prayerful time uh, between you and God. Let's bow your heads and your hearts. Let me lead us in that word of prayer. Father. Man, we look at this stuff and and. Some of it we can grit our teeth at because it draws us into a spot of vulnerability and we don't like that. It draws us into a place where it feels as if we don't have control. And God, we struggle with that. But I pray, Father, that right now your spirit would just connect with ours. I pray that we would encounter you in a very powerful way. I pray, God, that you would give us that courage to step out and say, you know what? I'm more concerned about my relationship with you than I am about my pride, than I am about my identity or this this version, this persona or whatever it is. I pray, God, that we would have that authentic moment between are with you right now as we encounter you. God, as we close um, our time here with song, I pray that you would allow that to be a, a prayer to you. God, that we would, again, just come to your cross for that healing power and that courage that we need to have these characteristics implemented in our relationships. I pray and ask this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, guys, we were never, ever, ever created to do this on our own.
And if you think that you can, you're only setting yourself up for failure. God is providing these principles that says this is what it needs to happen for you to be able to become the best version of yourself. Don't struggle at it on your, all alone. Uh, have those deep, connected relationships. It was great worshiping with you this week. We'll see you back here next week. Uh, here shortly, you'll be seeing um, a paper with the Christmas schedule on it, so be looking for that. And uh, just remember to look at your program for all the other events coming up. Have a great week.